Mojo Sports. Wayne. Wayne Bennett, how you doing? Mate, it's been a while. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I can help. Yeah, no dramas. Yeah, I'll grab a pen. Write this one down. Dolphins. Jerseys are ugly. I was going to text you that the other day, but didn't want to write. Find you a new graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, no, can do. All right, Wayne, can we chat quickly about Ponga? No, you got to go. All right, yeah. No? No worries at all. Say hello to the family for me. Yeah, great. You're re- okay, you've really got to go. All right, cheers, Wayne. Excellent. Yeah, love you too. Cheers, mate. Bye. Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, Season 2, Episode 21 of the NRL Show. My name is Dean Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got a few empty seats as we battle our way through Easter, a few illnesses amongst uh, the Mojo Sports Network, like a few others at the moment. We fight our way through. Uh, Geordie, you're you're here with me. Uh, We've borrowed you from the Women in League show. Thank you so much for for jumping in and talking Rugby League. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah, let's jump in and let's test out one of our new segments uh, for tonight, the warm-up. And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three. Why you not just that? Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. Yeah, and Jordy, this was a little bit of feedback from our listeners saying, "Hey, we want to we want to find out a little bit more about the panel." So I guess uh, we you know we'll we'll be testing it out, and our panel members will be rejoining us over the over the next few episodes. But let's jump in with Jordy. The the ep- the question that I've got for you tonight as part of our warm up is, what is your favourite song to pump you up for sport? And uh, and part of that, Jordy, tell us a little bit about your own sort of connection to rugby league. Yes. Now, there are a few songs we could have gone through, but the current favourite and go-to um, as a coach and a player is definitely Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. It gets the locker rooms pumping, not just myself, but everyone around us. Um, for myself, I am normally playing. I've had two years off the game now. I had a little boy and then I've done my ACL. So we're very close to getting back there and hopefully we'll be booting up with the North Sydney Bears girls in the upcoming season for Harvey's. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And uh, what sort of position have you played previously? What are you sort of, what are you looking at? I am one of those utility girls with everything that's happened to my body over the last couple of years. I've chopped and changed around a bit. I'm probably most comfortable in at lock though. Yeah, nice. Excellent. Um, yeah, well, good value coming into, you know, so much footy uh, this year. And here at Mojo, we, we, you know, we, we're fully supporting you as you recover from that ACL. Um, yeah, my, look, my favourite song, look, I'm pretty bad with music. I've pretty bad taste, but, um, you know, I've been retired for, for a few seasons now. Um, Eminem dropped uh, Venom at that time. <laughs> During my final series, um, during the test series, I remember that. So, uh, yeah, I remember playing that. But, again, um, yeah, we're happy to share my Spotify playlist. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a fair bit of judgment in that as well. (laughs) No, great (laughs) stuff, Geordie. All right, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities. But who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew Jock, inside for Melbourne. You just knew something special was going to happen. 
All right, Geordie, let's jump into All Ball, our player in focus segment, and our Legend Series continues as we focus in on Darren Lockyer uh, this week. Geordie, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Knights supporter, so a lot of my memories of Darren Lockyer, they're, they're quite painful because uh, what I know about Lockyer is that, you know, he was just part of that golden generation of Brisbane Broncos football, and look, any time he put on that jersey, it just felt like, you know, they were, they were winning most games, and I guess, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about his connection to the club in modern day times. It looks a little bit differently now for the Brisbane Broncos. But, Geordie, let's start there. Anytime Darren Lockyer chucked on the jersey, Brisbane Broncos won football games. He was most certainly part of that golden team era. I remember he was at the top of his game when I was in my footy Tarzo era. And we used to be bargaining for our chips and see who got the best cards at lunch. And when he saw a Lockyer card, that was something everyone wanted. He truly was... uh, one of the greatest and had such an impact on the game. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be like quite interesting to break down his career because I, I know there's there there are certain legends in the sport who have had like multiple Hall of Fame careers, and I feel like that is very much the case with Darren Lockyer. Um, I think it's quite easy to break up his career in terms of his two sort of careers, you know, the positional changes that he had. Geordie, let's start with, you know, him sort of, you know, coming into the system. Uh, 1995, he kicked off his career there for the Brisbane Broncos in that fullback position. Geordie, I I always love to give a little bit of a plug for some of the um, smaller players that have played rugby league. You'd love to see it. Five foot ten, eighty-five kilos, ringing wet. You know, Darren Darren Lockyer came in probably even smaller during those earlier days. It's just great to see that, you know, rugby league had a place for the smaller player. He goes on to become, you know, one of the all-time greats in our competition. And you know, still in the modern day game, you see some of the, you know, these smaller players excelling. Uh, you know, at, at the elite level. Um, Darren, he wasn't the biggest player, but yeah, one hell of a footballer. Yeah, he most certainly wasn't the biggest player, but he looked after his body and he did everything right for such a long stint on the footy field that he was able to stay at the top of his game and peak performance for such a long time, which is something you don't often see anymore, not at the moment anyway. People peak and they drop in performances, but he really was one of those players that was just able to hold his own week in, week out for seasons on the back of seasons. Yeah, no, it's pretty interesting. And it also, you know, a little bit of patience, you know, Lockie sort of, you know, fought his way into the Brisbane Broncos team. It took him sort of two seasons, you know, 95, 96. He was, you know, more of an interchange player. He played multiple positions, which, you know, gives you a little bit of an insight into, you know, where he would, you know, land later on in his career. But, you know, 1997, you know, during the Super League War, it was an unbelievable time for, for rugby league to be split into two different competitions. Obviously, Brisbane, they followed the money. They went to Super League. And, um, yeah, you know, they went on and won that competition. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, half going to ignore that because that, that was my proudest year, 97 with the Newcastle Knights. But, you know, you look at that team, they were absolutely stacked. And, you know, you know, for Lockie to come in as, as such a young player um, and, and, and not just sort of contribute but to dominate from that fullback position, um, very, very impressive. Jordy, the other thing that's impressive with a lot of these greats um, and, and one of the common threads that you will see is, okay, they come into the NRL competition and they're, they're successful immediately, uh, but then they get blooded straight away into representative football as well. I mean, Lockie, <laughs> he started playing representative football very, very young for both Queensland and Australia. I mean, it's just not something you see every day. But again, you know, Lockie, you know, he just turns out for his state and his country. And again, nothing but success at that level as well. Yeah, you talk around about the all-around nature of his game. He really was an asset in every team and then every further team that he was selected in with higher honours. His ability to 
play in multiple different types of the footy. He was great under the balls. He was good at creating space. He could put people in spaces inside. He was just an all-round player, and to that came all the career highlights that followed. Yeah, no, it was absolutely, absolutely special. And, you know, 1998, he gets, uh, he, well, he earns, you know, one of many future Daily M uh, awards there as, as fullback of the year, uh, makes his State of Origin debut in an Origin Series victory there and just gives you a little bit of a taste that, surprise, surprise, the Brisbane Broncos um, during that generation have stumbled across another um, all-time great player. You know, um, you know, Geordie, obviously we could spend, you know, uh, well, most of the episode breaking down, you know, every one of his games and all of his accolades. But, you know, let's let's fast forward through, you know, a few of the years because there comes a point during his incredible career where he gets a tap on the shoulder, um, you know, in 2004 um, from Wayne Bennett to, to I, I guess, change positions um, after the retirement of, of Ben Eichen. Jordy, <laughs> talk, talk us through the, the, the gravity of that. You know, you're one of the all-time great fullbacks. Um, you know, if, if this had gone differently, what if he failed? What, what if this wasn't successful? You know, all the all of these things I'm sure would have been running through Lock, Lockie's mind. But, um, you know, he did what was best for the team. And, um, <laughs> again, it was almost like the start of a second Hall of Fame career. Yeah, it is bizarre. It takes a special sort of player to be able to – not so much be booted out of their position, but moved into something else that they might not have been as comfortable in when they were performing the way that he was. So you talk about leadership skills there and ability to be flexible and do what's best for the team around you. And in that you could really tell that that was what he wanted to do was to perform best for the team that he was with. Yeah, it's just incredible. You know, you're the Queensland captain, you know, you're captaining your country and, uh, you know, it's just such a significant shift. And I think one of the things that's incredible is I do feel like it's created this awkward legacy within the game where, you know, you see, and and I guess there's a couple of trends here. If you're a talented winger, transition to fullback because you'll earn more money, you'll get more football. And then the second you start to see, you know, a little bit of talent there as a fullback, you know, coaches want to bring you into the lockier half sort of position to see if that's going to be successful. And, you know, many have tried and many have failed. Um, you know, Geordie, I, I remember, um, you know, early in Kalen Ponga's career, as an example, I know Nathan Brown was looking for a spark, looking for someone to really take over that team, moved in with 5'8 and really, really struggled. So again, um, Darren Lockyer, uh, it just, you know, it feels like, you know, it was it was just all part of um, all part of his unbelievable quality. Geordie, just another little thing, and it's not so little because it certainly contributed to his incredible point-scoring uh, success and records that he broke was his ability to kick goals as well. Geordie, again, not to get too nerdy, too technical here when it comes to rugby league, but you do love a goal kicker, a sharpshooter, someone that's going to get those two points each and every time. And again, Lockie came through that generation where there was a little bit more professionalism and instead of sort of, you know, 50-50 from the sidelines, Lockie was, um, he was a lead in that aspect as well. He most certainly was. I think the stats that I've got up are over six, just over fifteen hundred points all up. So it is just first class. He was he was in a league of his own at that point of time. So yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, look, achieved so much. If you go through his career, so three hundred and fifty five games. For the Brisbane Broncos, that is a mouthful. As I always say, it's, it's quite difficult to play uh, one game of first grade, 355, absolutely incredible. Uh, Queensland, look, he's got 38 appearances for Queensland, two in the Super League era. Um, and, you know, uh, Geordie, the, the, these Australian caps, so we have got 63 caps for his country. 
You know, it, it, it's very interesting when you follow rugby league because, you know, that state of origin jersey is really seen as the as the pinnacle of rugby league. But at the end of the day, in our sport and in all other in all other sports, representing your country, wearing that green and gold, that, that that's it. That's got to be the pinnacle. You know, when you when you reflect on all of the great players that, that have played for Australia, Darren Lockyer would have to be one of the all-time greats um, as player and as captain. Talk to us a little bit about, um, yeah, obviously that incredible career for his country. Yeah, the captaincy is a huge thing. You talk about, you know, the earlier years, like 2003, where he won the Wally Lewis, um, was it the Wally Lewis Award in 2000, yeah. or 2006? and. He led his club, he led his country. It takes a special sort of person and there haven't been many after him that have been able to back up and do do it for club, do it for state and do it for country. It's um, a special sort of person, not just a special sort of player. Yeah, it, it's an interesting combination, isn't it? Like, you know, obviously you want your most talented player to be in a leadership role, but sometimes that doesn't always happen. The fact that Lockyer, you know, not only was a leader, but um, an unbelievable captain. And, you know, he was a bit of a scallywag, you know, during those early <laughs> years, Geordie. You know, he got himself, you know, and I think that's what worked well. He had Alfie Langer, he had an unbelievable crew. Um, you know, they played up, they had their fun when they were younger, but obviously he matured a lot and um, was able to lead, you know, one of the all-time dynasties there. So, look, premiership winner, um, you know, won so much uh, at, at representative level and all-time great. All right, Geordie, well, no sitting, sitting on the fence. How we'd like to end this one is to ponder, you know, what this means for Lockie moving forward. I think he's an absolute shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. But the difficult question I've got for you is, in the future, 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 what does this look like for Lockie? Could he be uh, an invincible, I guess? Um, sorry, an, an immortal. There's not too many of them. Lockie's got an unbelievable CV. What's your thoughts on this one? Shoe in for Hall of Fame? Question marks on whether he could, you know, get to that immortal status. Yes, yes, and yes. And I think his ongoing contribution back to the game and the Broncos in particular is just um I think that's going to set him up nicely for that to finish off. Yeah, I like that. No, that, that's right. Look, I think he's going to have to wait his, his time. You know, there, there might be sort of a couple of people that might sneak in before him, but his ability to sort of step into the boardroom now, hopefully sort of, you know, turn around this club, you know, through a rebuild. I mean, if the Bron- if the current Brisbane Broncos were able to win a, win a premiership and, and Lockie was a big part of sort of turning that around, I think that could um, certainly help his CV. But, Oh, look, for me, I, I, I just feel like it's going to be too difficult to keep him out. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think he is. So, um, yeah, we'll have to stay tuned and, and keep an eye on that over the coming years. Definitely as a CV, unbelievable player. Um, just a shame that he uh, didn't play in the Hunter and caused so many defeats for my <laughs> Newcastle Knights. But, uh, yeah, well played, uh, Darren Lockyer, an absolute champion. All right, well, let's jump into our second segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, Geordie, for those that haven't, uh, I, I guess, you know, that they don't listen to the, the Women in League show, they're probably not used to, uh, you know, me and you chatting. You know, we certainly get on quite well, but we're about to talk about where we kind of divide, you know, obviously where our allegiances are when it comes to the teams that we support. Again, another little plug there. Go in and listen to the Women in League show. That's a great one, and you'll find Geordie there each and every week. Two episodes at the moment each and every week. But, Geordie, I guess, yeah, I'm a Newcastle Knights fan. You follow the Sydney Roosters. Talk to me a little bit about your fandom there before we talk about the two players that will match up tonight. Yes, I most certainly am a Roosters girl growing up in the eastern suburbs, although our entire household growing up wasn't that way. It was very much all the girls were Roosters supporters and all the boys were South supporters, so... We've had our years of butting heads in our household and hence the league fanatic that I have grown up as. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
it was the, the, the year 2000 that really, really hurt. You know, like sometimes you can be a fan of a team and you're not too worried about your rivals. But, yeah, the Sydney Roosters, when they, when they came back and won that semifinal in the year 2000, I, I think that really stopped the Knights going back-to-back. Um, obviously turned things around in 2001, but, yeah, we'll never forgive the Roosters for doing that. And then just recently... <laughs> You know, the Knights, we, we've pinched a lot of Sydney Roosters players up here as well, but um, that Connor Watson one, uh, that hurt as well. <laughs> so still a lot of rivalry between our two clubs. Anyway, let's jump into the two uh, players from the Sydney Roosters that will be going head-to-head tonight, and it's Braith and Astart coming up against Mitchell Pearce. Geordie, it's interesting when it comes to Braith because, you know, obviously he had, um, you know, multiple careers. You know, he obviously started out and, and, and played, you know, he played 110 games for Canterbury Bulldogs, but he but he played 147 for the Sydney Roosters, 31 for the West Tigers. But Braith will really be known uh, for his time uh, at the Roosters. He will, and I am very thankful for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. He, he obviously you know contributed um, significantly with the Bulldogs. He had a pretty good run there, but um, you know it was, it was a pretty big signing for him to go to the Sydney Roosters. Geordie, let's talk politics. Um, I, I guess you know one of the things that stands out for me when it comes to Braith and Astor is you know, the decision to sign with the Sydney Roosters and, and not head to um, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. There was a lot of, uh, you know, debate whether the Roost, uh, whether the Rabbitohs could get one of their juniors back and, you know, the, the Rabbitohs were, you know, sort of rebuilding. But, again, you know, the, you love the Roosters. They're your team um, and they were able to sign him. And, you know, it was probably – it was a pretty significant signing when you look back on it now. Yeah, massively. So what he brought to those the Roosters in those early years from – uh, late 2000s was incredible. That Souths and Roosters rivalry and signing juniors and competing juniors that are really neighbouring just over the Maroubra Road, it, um, it'll go on forever and it won't be the first or the last time that we'll hear about it. But, um, yep, very happy to bag Wraith in the Roosters bag. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's break down his uh, play. And obviously he's now a player manager, so he's certainly he, – I've just I've kept an eye on Wraith. He's starting to get quite a few stars um, under his belt there as a player manager, so he's still involved in the game. Obviously we know about his connection in the media as well. But as a player, um, Jordy, interesting, you know, quite, quite difficult to, I, I, I guess, you know, break down his game perfectly. But, you know, for me, when I think about Braith, is, I, th- I thought his kicking game was certainly a standout. You know, it was, um, you know, something that obviously he worked on um, quite significantly. I, I felt like with Braith, um, you know, we'll talk about, you know, there were moments in his career where he lost a little bit of confidence and he built sort of that momentum. We'll talk about that. But I think one skill that never really sort of went too far away from Braith was his long kicking game and his ability to kind of, you know, control contests. And, you know, again, when you, when your team's a little bit edgy and going through a little bit of a rebuild, really important to have your halves there being, be, be able to control a game like that. Yeah, not only control, controlling the game and controlling the speed, but um, building pressure is a really important factor of the game that sometimes slips away in the heat of a moment and we're trying to go for the big points all the time. But... His ability game, his ability to control the kicking and build pressure and hold the tempo of the attack was something really special. Yeah, and just quickly going through, um, you know, some of his representative honours as well. He represented his state, uh, you know, New South Wales Blues uh, 10 times through 2002 to 2008. Um, you know, really, really impressive. He also, he's played for Australia four times, you know, during 2001. So, um, you know, he, he obviously, um, yeah, in- incredible to be able to, to perform at that level as well. Uh, but for me, yeah, look, you know, 
struggled for confidence at times, but at his best, I thought Braith was a, was a was a ball runner. Um, I felt like that's why he naturally sort of shifted to like that five eight position rather than the halfback position. I felt like, you know, he was at his best where, you know, he was in a team where someone could do the organising and Braith could just play, you know, quote unquote, eyes up football, Geordie, and just run <laughs> the football because, you know, he, he's six foot one and he was not, he was nearly a hundred kilos. You know, he was a big guy and, and I felt like that's where he was most dangerous. I could not agree more that eyes up footy is music to a coach's ears and players that are able to do that well are players that do make a difference in the game. Yeah, so very, very physical, very, very underrated. And, and again, he sort of came through at a time where there was a lot of talent in the halves going around. So, you know, 10, ten um, uh, caps for your state is very, very impressive, but probably would have been more had he have come through um, during a different era. And, and a good leader and a great um, great player in and around the club. So Braith and Asta, um, yeah. And, well, anyway, Geordie, let's... Uh, Let's not get too distracted, though. Let, let's <laughs> jump over to his competitor tonight, and that is uh, Mitchell Pierce. Uh, again, another very uh, controversial in the best way. You know, there's there's not there's not too many um, not too many rugby league stories that don't involve Mitchell Pierce. But 238 games for the Roosters, um, 71 for my mighty Newcastle Knights, the best you know sporting franchise in the world. Obviously, slipping that in there, and then currently um, still in the game over there playing for the Catalan Dragons. Catalan doing, Dragons doing quite well actually, playing a few games and um, yeah, let's see what he can what he can achieve there. Jordy, talk to me about your reflections on his time with the Sydney Roosters. I think Piercy did a great job when he was at the Roosters, particularly like that bulk middle period just before he exited. Um, he was surrounded by some special players at the Roosters in his time there, and he managed to stand out in that squad, which is something that when you look at the calibre of talent that was around him was really, really special. So to be a player that can hold his own and then stand out it, in a team full of a lot of superstars, that's a talent in itself. I think a few things stand out to me when, when it comes to Mitchell Pierce. Number one, not playing for the Tigers. I thought that was really, <laughs> I thought that was really brave. You know what I mean? Because there is, there, there's definitely, um, he would have had the opportunity to go and, you know, play, you know, after he's, um, you know, obviously his father, Wayne, you know, one of the most, you know, famous uh, Tigers players of all time. I really felt like he, he could have done that. But, you know, he was very committed to, I guess, you know, create his own um, identity, um, his own career. So playing with the Sydney Roosters, I think that was uh, that was a bold choice. But, you know, Geordie, it, it just became a glamour club. It was a club that was, um, you know, very well run with Nick Politis there. Had some really good coaching, obviously, with Trent Robinson joining, you know, later in Mitchell's career. Um it felt like there was a period there where you were either competing for grand finals or some wooden spoons, so it was a little bit inconsistent, but ultimately a really good decision there for Mitchell to, to join the Roosters. Um, look, in terms of trying to break down his play, um, Jordi, so incredibly talented, you know, and again, uh, you think about, uh, I guess, you know, over 300 games at 33 years of age at the moment, all of the things that he achieved. We now know that he copped so much unfair criticism at state of origin level, um, coming up against the Queensland Maroons team that, you know, that they were the greatest origin team ever. It's going to be very, very difficult to see whether that can ever be beaten. Um, what's your thoughts on that? That, that? that sort of dented his legacy a little bit. But now that we've sort of seen a lot of those legends retire, we've seen Queensland struggle a little bit, you kind of get an indication that, you know, we were right. It wasn't all Mitchell Pearce's fault. He was an incredible player. He, did, he just got steamrolled by, you know, an incredible team. Yeah, I think timing was everything. It wasn't sort of like a right person, wrong time sort of situation. He was up against that dynasty that was Queensland and mostly those Broncos boys 
just carving up and causing trouble. Um, it would have been interesting, you know, if you could pick teams from different eras to play against each other in the modern day and the game and the way that it's sped up to see how we really would have fit into um, like the current Blues team and the way that the game's played at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was absolutely brutal. And you know, for him to kind of just keep, just, just continue with it, not give up and continue to fight, you know, he had so many ups and downs within his career. But um, yeah, no, incredibly talented. Um, you know, had everything to his game. I think, you know, there's not too many sort of halfbacks that get around the game and play the game for as long as he did. And, you know, whether it was his short passing, long passing, kicking game, physicality, um, quite underrated in defence as well. Mitchell Pierce was very, very well-rounded. So, um, yeah, very, very impressive. Geordie, I, I think one of the things that, um, you know, really stands out for me, <clears throat> excuse me, was his ability to win premierships. You know, that... You know, obviously, you know, you had limited success at Origin, but eventually he got there. You know, the premierships came. He was able to be part of a successful um, New South Wales Origin series. Um, I, I guess, you know, he was rewarded for all of those um, years of, 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 of hard work, I guess. Yeah, and there's nothing more rewarding than persisting through what the time that was really difficult for him. He was getting slammed by media and critics and a lot of off-field things were going wrong for him, but he stayed true and he... He did reap the rewards in the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And he gets a little bit of credit for me for, uh, you know, taking the risk with the Newcastle Knights. You know, obviously, um, you know, Cooper Cronk, you know, he, he lands in town, so they, they, they move on from Mitchell. But, um, you know, moving to the Newcastle Knights was a huge risk, risk, and I just feel like that shows his confidence to sort of come down um, as a leader. And, um, you know, it was his signing, Caelan Ponga and a few others that, really started to rebuild my club. So you'll always get brownie points for me <laughs> for, uh, for what he did there for my, uh, for my mighty Newcastle Knights. All right, Geordie. Um, yeah, difficult here. Two, two incredible players, unbelievable careers. Where are you going on this one? I am leaning towards a Nastar, I think. Yeah, you got Braith? Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Braith. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to even this out tonight. I'm going to go Mitchell Pearce. I just think that, um, yeah, again, another error. You talk about, you know, what he what, what damage he could have done, quite rightly so. If we had a, a paired him with a Nathan Cleary maybe for a decade at origin level, could have gone down as one of the all-time greats. But I still think he does. Um, incredible CV, great player. And, um, yeah, Geordie, um, you know, your, your Sydney Roosters is still looking very much uh, like a high-quality team as well. We're building, that's for sure. <laughs> Gotta love it. All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and let's continue with our Legends series. And this week, well, we continue to focus on some of our favorite retired players. And this week, it's the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, Geordie, you can probably guess where I'm going here. Um, I've got to throw uh, Jamie Soward's uh, name in the hat. Uh, you know, there were a few other contenders as well. I loved, I loved Matty Cooper. Um, you know, he was an incredibly tough player, um, you know, especially at that origin level. You know, you talk about some of the absolute superstars that he had to defend. And, you know, he was just known as a guy that, um, you know, whenever you had a very tough defensive task, Matt Cooper was your guy. So, yeah, Matt was Matt was very, very impressive. But, no, a lot of love for Sowie. Um, obviously got to know him um, since he's retired as well. And, um, yeah, great, great person, um, great leader, and obviously doing great things now as a coach for the NRLW Dragons. But, um, you know, some of the highlights in terms of his play, again, it's his kicking game. I really feel like it's something that, um, you know, a lot of players have kind of built off as well, you know, in the modern game. 
you know, his ability to kind of get into an arm wrestle with you and outkick you, build build possession, stay patient, force error. I really feel like there are so many teams that still fall into that trap of, um, you know, just, just, you know, not being afraid to get into a contest. And, uh, no, I thought, I thought Jamie did that incredibly well. Um, unbelievable success, 232 games um, across his career with, with a few different clubs there. But um, St. George, obviously um, a club that he loves. And, um, yeah, you know, bringing, bringing through that unbelievable premiership in, in 2010, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty special scenes. Um, and against your beloved club, uh, Geordie, so <laughs> I'm sure that one... I was waiting for you to mention that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure that one hurt a little bit, that's for sure. Um, but over to you, uh, favourite Dragons player of all time? Look, time. I'll give Sally a plug because I love any player that goes and gives back after their career is done. Um, I'm going to shout out to Mike Gazzy now. His performance on field was something... Really special, his ability to play all those higher rep honours, Dally M, Centre of the Year awards, all those one-off little special things that really do add up and build quite a career. Yeah, Gaz was interesting because, you know, there was a period, and I, and I don't know where we are now, but, um, you know, I, I feel like the centre position, it sort of, it has its moments in the game. You know, there are periods where you have some dynamic centres where it really is valued and other years where it's not so much, you know, your fullback, your spine positions. But, you know, Gaznia was, quote unquote, that, that, that strike player. You know, he's a guy that... Jordy, you don't need to overcomplicate things with a playbook. Just get the guy some early football and he'll beat two or three and score or set someone up. You know, Gaznia was unbelievably talented, um, you know, and then had the confidence to sort of go out and test himself in rugby union. Um, you know, it was really interesting to see him come back to the Dragons as well. Great to see him sort of, um, you know, enjoy that success when he came back in that second stint. I feel like he really deserved that. You know, he was there during some really tough years there for the Dragons and, um, you know, he was there, he, he was their player. So to come back and, and play in a much stronger team um, and contribute there. Um, and then obviously at representative level, um, you know, 12 caps for, for Origin, 15 for his country. Um, no, really good choice, Jordy. I, uh, I like that one. Um, let's see what the Dragons can, can do uh, in 2022. Um, some younger players, bit of a rebuild there, but uh, let's see what happens. All right, Jordy. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. I really do appreciate you jumping onto the NRL show. Uh, for our listeners that haven't had a chance to listen to our Women in League show, jump over, check it out. Jordy's there each and every week with Tasha and the gang. Um, yeah, some incredible uh, football is being played across multiple competitions at the moment, so give that a listen. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support of the NRL show. Um, how to support us, continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.